The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota. My name is Stephanie Hansen, and I am here with Angela Gustafson from Gustola Granola. And I'm trying to think, Angela, where the first time I ran across your granola was. I think maybe... I don't recall. Yeah, I think maybe you might have um, been sampling somewhere, but I love granola. And when I had it, I thought, oh, this this is really good. And... I just kind of filed it away in my brain because I think maybe it was at a farmer's market and I didn't run across you again until I was at, I think, an event. And you reached out to me and you said, I have to get you some granola. I was like, yes, you do. Your granola, you know, people are weird about their granola. And first of all, it's such a competitive business. I can't wait to ask you about that. Absolutely. Your granola is really delicious. It's very nutty. It's got fruit. It's firm. It's not like sometimes when you're eating granola, you feel like you're eating kind of like oatmeal-y dirt. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so tell me about how did you get started in making granola? Did you start like at a farmer's market? Because you're a mom. I started at a farmer's market. So I um, so I have, I am a mom. I've got four kids that are now teenagers. Yep. And I'm a runner. I run every morning. I run our boxer dog. And I was looking for a healthy, sustaining snack to kind of get me through crazy mornings. Yeah. And I tried a granola recipe, and I love to bake, by the way. I just think it carries a certain magic within sure. the household. It makes the house smell great. People love it. Um, and I tried this granola recipe, and I loved the ability to control what was going in, and you know whether it's the nuts and the dried fruit, and it turned out pretty well. And so mm-hmm. then I tried another recipe and another, and just kind of kept playing around. And usually I'm a real recipe follower, but in this case, I ended up kind of cre- taking the bits and pieces that I liked from each recipe and creating my own recipe. And our family loved it, and I started making it all the time, and then we started gifting it to other people and had enough people say, you know, you really ought to do something with this. It's really different. It tastes great. And so I decided to take it to a farmer's market. So what do you think makes your granola different? There are three key things that I think makes ours different. We use um, olive oil and maple syrup as well as egg whites, which I'm not sure that I've seen a granola out on the shelves that has egg whites. And what do you think that does to it? Does it make it drier? It it makes it crispier and crunchier. That's what sure. I love and about it. It also serves as a binder, um, so it creates these great chunks and clusters. Yeah. If it doesn't go through a whole lot of traveling around in trucks and you know getting shoved onto shelves, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Yeah. That was really what drew in fans at the farmers market were the big chunks and clusters. People just love that. So you. Are at farmers markets. I'm sure you're like making this, having your kids help you package it, and kind of it's a cottage industry. At what point did you go from this is fun working at farmers markets, but I'm going to start packaging this? Yeah, absolutely. So that first summer, yeah, I thought it would be fun. I went to a school at Madison University of Wisconsin and have this great farmers market there. Yeah, I've they had do. A love for farmers markets ever since. Plus, being um, Peace Corps volunteers, where there's a lot of open air markets and. 
so I just always thought it'd be kind of fun to be in a farmer's market. So I engaged the kids in the business, and which they loved, and it's right in our neighborhood. So we were at the Linden Hills Farmer's Market. We did that the entire summer of 2013, and we got to the end of the summer, and people were saying, now where do we get it? And I was looking through all the rules and regulations, and I'm not allowed to sell it direct. I have to sell it through community events. Right. And because I was producing it out of my home, and I was like, ugh, I guess you can't get it, you know. And so I went to the Linden Hills Co-op, and I talked to their grocery manager, and I provided him samples and had a whole lot of questions for him. If I were to bring this to store shelves, what would you want to see? And he said, you know what, you figure all that out, and when you're ready, we'll be the first ones to put it on our shelves. Which is really... Our grocery and our farmer's market people do a really great job because a lot of people come to them with those same questions, but they're not in the business to like help us set up cottage industries, but they're very welcoming about new products and pointing out resources. Was that your experience? Absolutely. I mean, I owe, I owe all of this to the, not all of it, but a lot of it to the Linden Hills Co-op. I yeah. mean, they just, basically they said, we'll take it. You really ought to just bring this to us. And then we just kept growing from there. And they really got behind the product, too. Not only did they put it on their shelves, but they, they put us on end caps almost all summer without us having to reduce our price or anything. I mean, it's just unheard of support. Sure. Yeah. But that particular grocery manager was so supportive of it. And then it built this solid fan base. And then the Wedge was interested. And then other co-ops. And then Kowalski's was like, we want it. And Did you it go right grew. from your kitchen to a co-packer? Or did you have a commercial kitchen in between? I there? had a commercial kitchen in between. So I went from producing it in my own kitchen in t- the summer of 2013 to City Food Studio yeah. in South Minneapolis. It's over by the Midtown Global Market. And I started there in June of 14. So, you know, I took almost, you know, six months off and then started producing it again in, in June. And I was there for two whole years before we went to a co-packer. And you were producing how many days a month, do you think? You know, I was only producing, uh, so two days a week, eight eight days okay. a month, and cranking out as much as I could in that time. It's a shared, you know, it's like you're, you're reserving space. And, you know, I could get in there pretty regularly two days a week. And was it once people tried it, they had the same reaction I did and that sold itself? Yeah, you know, and there's still a lot of that going on. Yeah. I wish I were doing a better job with all the marketing and really pushing the product. But, yeah, I think people try it, love it, and spread the word. And so it's a lot of that. At this point, do you do a lot of sampling? I was really surprised when I found you in Hy-Vee and Egan. I'd never been to a Hy-Vee before, and I walked in, and one of the first products I saw that was local was yours. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I knew you were not huge, Right, and no, what I, not huge. Yeah, yes. and I was really impressed how many local products the Hy-Vee had there. Yeah, they, they're wonderful. So I will tell you really quick. So the co-op started picking us up. That was first. And then Kowalski's was a great local kind of multi-store, first multi-store grocer that uh, picked us up. And Hy-Vee, I have a connection there. I actually, um, I grew, I went to high school in Rochester, Minnesota, and I worked at Hy-Vee when I was in high school. Sure. And so kind of early on with this, I thought, if I could ever get on the shelves of a Hy-Vee, you know, that, that might be hitting the the big goal there, right? And so I contacted corporate in Des Moines and sent them samples. And so in my mind, you know, I still was in the craft pouches, you know, that I hand labeled. I mean, it really looks, you know, small and cottage, right? And not super professional. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why wouldn't they take this product? It's great, you know? And I was pretty persistent. I kept in, I told them that I worked there. Anyway, they gave me a chance up here. And then before long, it was in all of their stores. And that really Put us over. Same with Kowalski, saying we wanted in all the stores. I just couldn't continue to supply. And so then that's when we moved to a co-packer. And who helped you with your packaging? Did you, because you have really nice packaging. Thank you. And it looks yeah. homemade, but not rinky-dink, I guess. is Right, right. I love that term. Um, 
So it's uh, Jim Davis. I'll give him a shout out with uh, MindSpark. I just I think he's an incredibly talented creative. Um, and so I had lots of ideas as to what I wanted for the packaging, and he really pulled it together. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of we get a lot of compliments on that. And I think packaging drives a lot of purchase, initial purchase. Yeah, you know, so you can have this really great product, and it helps to have super packaging that you know stands out to people that they like. And then, of course, you need to have great product inside for the repeat purchase. Now, the versions of uh, granola you have now are, tell me all your flavors. Okay, so we have almond, coconut, cherry, and then we have That's a, my favorite. Yeah, is it? Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of, yeah. You know, And honestly, so there's four different varieties. And for the stores that carry all four, it's almost even sales. It's like 25% really? plus or minus a couple percentage points, which is really an unusual and kind of cool thing. But um, So there's the almond one, and then there's pistachio, pumpkin seed, coconut, cherry. There's a one without dried fruit, which is cashew, pecan, almond. And then there, lastly, there's the hazelnut, walnut, blueberry, cranberry. So that's the one I think that in the pistachio takes people a little bit longer to, to try, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little more daring because they're kind of unique flavor combinations, but they're different enough. And I think still great that they um, they end up being people's favorites as well. And in terms of this being your business, is it how many hours a week do you think you're working at it now? Oh, it's, I, I'm not keeping track. I think that'd be really sad. I, you know, I'm primarily, I mean, I'm a stay-at-home mom with my yeah. with my kids, and then every free minute that I can break away, I'm working on this. So are you I'm, calling? Are you planning marketing? Are you doing events? What kind of activities of do you find yourself doing most? I wear all those hats. So the, I'm not producing the granola anymore, yeah. and I'm not distributing. I have some um, direct uh, distribution responsibilities, but uh, we have a local distributor here that's doing all of our distribution in the state of Minnesota. So yep. they just work within the state, which is where we are. We're in about 175 plus stores right now in the state. And I, uh, aside from that, it's, you know, it's building relationships. It's trying to do the marketing. It's all the, the rules and regulations and licensing. Do you want um, to expand out of the state? Absolutely. So you're just like, this is like you're going to take this thing. You're going to keep going. We're going to go now. This is yeah. college education hey, material is, right <laughs> well, here. We'll see. Maybe someday. Certainly not now, but... You know, it's um, it, we. So I certainly didn't go into this with that plan. Yeah. I really just thought the farmers market was going to be this fun summer adventure. To do I'm shocked with whatever how fast case. it's gone. It's um, yeah. So I think it's a good product, and we really need to. Um, I need to get better at all those different hats. Like you know, social media, for example, is, is something that I think I know you love, and, I do. and there are a lot of people out there that are just really great at it. And I am not. I, I love marketing. That's my first love. You get so busy and get bogged down in all the other details mm-hmm. of the business that it's hard to step away. But I'm reading a book right now. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called Jab, 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 Right Hook. No, it's I'm like going to write it down. Gary Vaynerchuk, I think, is is the last name. Um, but he is talking about all the do's and don'ts of social media, and I'm doing just about every don't in the book. It's like I don't even <laughs> think I'm throwing a jab. It's really humbling, but... Someday I'll get to those right hooks. And and that's all part of the challenge, too, is figuring out, you know, when do you start getting help? Yeah. And for some of these pieces, how many employees do you have right now? I have none. It's me. And and then, you know, and it, I can't really say that. Right. Because somebody's making the product and somebody's sure. distributing, but they're not, you know, directly employed by me. And, and I doing, have my marketing person, you know, Jim, who's just great. And you're doing all your books and all the books. Yeah. Yes. Managing doing, those relationships with it. the salespeople. And so and, we're bringing in some consultants that are going to help us with sales. And we really need to, to uh, come up with some great plans to to broaden outside of the state of Minnesota and be ready to do that effectively. Do you have a um, do you have like a personal board advisory board? No. 
a lot of women that are self-made women will look to that as a way to help expand. I might encourage you to do that. Um, They'll get like three to five people that they trust from different industries and form an advisory board and meet four times a year is usually. Um, I think of that because I was thinking like Salsa Lisa, who we've interviewed on this podcast, might be a good person to um, support you in that environment. Um, I think that sounds like a terrific idea, and it's and I and I should say I, I feel like I do have a lot of advisors. Like yeah, the, um, with food, your distributor. Well, and, yeah, the food the the small food business community in this in this market is so tight. And I just interviewed someone else who said the same thing. They were like, "I don't think I could have launched this business in a state not in Minnesota." Yeah, we're all there for each other. It's like amazing. I can shoot out a quick email or text, and I get an answer right back. I just have wonderful resources at my fingertips, but. You still need more. So that advisory board is a is a good idea. How do you feel about, like, I think granola seems like such a competitive industry. Is it? It's incredibly competitive. And the more competitive it is, you know, the, the lower the profit margins yep. and our margins that you get, uh, as well as just fighting for shelf space. And I think, you know, it's been great that we've been able to, within the state of Minnesota, to say we're local. We're local. But when we're not local anymore, when we try what's to the get story? into the yeah. what's, what's really going to be the hook. And the, the other challenge is that we sit at a generally the highest price point on the yeah, shelf. Yeah, it's $8 which, a bag? Yep, it's like generally seven ninety nine almost everywhere. Um, I think all the Cub Food stores might have it a little bit less expensive than that. But, you know, and I, I think that creates interest because people are like, well, why is it so expensive? And hopefully they turn it around and they look at the ingredient deck and they see our amazing list of just, and it's a short list. Yeah, I feel like because it's quality, so nutty. Right. There's nuts in the, I mean, olive oil is not cheap and neither is maple syrup. Yep. And, you know, so, and we're using local maple syrup, which is, which is great. That's a small farm in uh, Wisconsin. So, you know, we have that piece, but, um, you know, again, as you start moving out of the state, you know, will, will they, I hope, I don't want them to have to increase the price higher than seven ninety nine. but then you start having all the transportation costs. How much like does that, sampling so. factor into this, like? I would think it'd be huge. It is a huge thing, and I should do it a lot more of it. Um, there's a lot of I've been trying some other things like being part of more events mm-hmm. and, um, and, and again, sampling that too, but also, um, you know, donating some product and sponsoring. And so it's it's been fun to kind of see what works. Sometimes you – I love that, that direct interaction with our customers yep. in the store. That's what I really love about sampling, but you hit such a small subset of a store's customer base, right? So – I, I do think overall it's very worth it, but it certainly does take time and it's expensive. And What's the you know. biggest challenge like when you lay in bed and think, oh, if I just did this better, what would that this thing be? Uh, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, maintaining that really, really high quality. I mean, so far, you know, the producers that, that make it right now have done a really great job. And as we scale and produce more, I mean, that's so essential at our price point, And it's just that's what we're about. I mean, we're a premium granola. It's all about that taste and texture and getting it just right. Um, but it's also just, yeah, it's like how do we, how do we grow um, well, you know, and very planful and really have a good sales strategy and really get the get the word out to people. I mean, we're really trying to create awareness. I would love to make this as accessible as possible to anybody anywhere in the country. And and um, yeah, I guess. Is it exciting or stressful? Both. 
It's it's incredibly exciting. When I look back, I mean, I, I went to school for marketing. Yeah. And I've always been a little bit more on the creative side of things. And now I'm really, I came out of corporate America 10 years in finances and mutual funds and things like that. And to be able, I think when I was in college, I thought, oh, it'd be so cool to be like in brand, you know, management. Yeah. And at that time, it was, you needed to have an MBA to do that. And I thought, well, I'll go get work experience first and then go back. Well, now I'm, you know, essentially doing that. Yeah, with, with own your business. own brand. Yeah, with my own brand. And so it's really great to have that creative freedom. But it's also, like like I said, there's a lot of hats to wear, so it can be pretty stressful too. But it's a good, I mean, there, there's, it's it's been a really fun ride. Can you and think I, of a um, a mistake that you made that you were like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Something that maybe could help someone else down the line. I wish that I did, and maybe that I'm being too cautious, right? Because I think it's better if you say, yeah, I really goofed on this, and um, maybe I'm not taking big enough risks. I mean, there's been some little ones, little funny things, like you might appreciate this one. When I was at the farmer's market, I had the um, the label. It was like a circular. Our logo is a circle. And so there was just the logo on the front of mm-hmm. the bag, and then the back had the variety. It, it described which, you know, whether it's the pistachio or or yep. the almond one, it was on the back of the bag. And then I took that to the Linden Hills Farmer's Market, and they laid them all on the shelf. Well, then, of course, customers couldn't tell what variety it was. Right. It worked for me standing behind a table, but clearly not on a store shelf. So it's probably branding 101. <laughs> I but a that very one, but, funny but kind of thing funny. to think about, and you can see yeah. how that would easily happen. And I seriously, I don't come from, you know, the restaurant business or food business at all. I mean, that when I first started at City Food Studio, and I'm sure some of you out there have heard of Buddy's Nut Butter. Yeah. Or maybe, um, you know, Tempe Tantrum, you yeah. know, Ryan Billig. And those two were in the kitten, such close friends. We had such great times at City Food. And but literally the second time I was do, had my shift at City Food, I had flooded the, the kitchen or part of the kitchen. I left the, the triple sinks running. I was multitasking and everything, and I went back, and I forgot all about it, you know, the, the water running. Yeah. And it's just cascading over the edge of the sinks like just a waterfall, and there's like a good inch standing. And I just oh. – I started to cry because I- <laughs> – and Andrew's just like, Andrew came out and he said, Ange, um, you might want to come in here. And I just, I panicked. I'm like, and he said, Ange, don't worry about it. I mean, there's floor drains, you know, we'll yeah. sweep it all in. But I just, yeah, I really, it was like a fish out of water. But, you know, you learn. Yeah. And those are the times where you just fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, exactly. There's been a lot of that. But big, you know, I, I just can't think of any big goof ups yet. All right. Well, I'm sure there will be some. (laughs) Yeah, don't be. Oh, come on. I love your product. Thank you for coming in today. We're talking with Angela Gustafson about Gustola Granola. Um, You can find it on her website, gustolagranola.com. And we talked about some of the stores that you're in. If you're in 100 and some, it's a lot to be mentioning, but people can find you there. Um, Tell me about your running. Are you running just for fun? Are you running marathons? What do you do? No, I run just for fun and to run the energy out of our dog. So okay. it's just, and it's my one mental break. It's just my time. You know, I, get that, I, I get that one half an hour a day. I used to, uh, I used to be a runner and I ran with my dog too. And uh, I realized when I stopped running and it was years after I stopped, probably two, that I used that running to burn off all that anxiety energy that's sort of on the top level of my personality. And so I would burn that off and then I would get to where everybody else is normally. But if I didn't have the way to burn that top off, I was very intense and could be almost manic about certain, you know, I'd be at work just like, ah, and I was a salesperson and I was just go, go, go. 
it's interesting how that running thread throughout your life kind of can just calm a lot of that anxiety and gives you time to think about business. And I can certainly relate to that. And I think the best creative ideas come during those yeah, runs too. And, and then it's like a scramble of, okay, I have to remember that one. Yeah. You know, when and I then get home and write it down. Now I've transferred it to walking and I yeah. try to, you know, just not even walk with headphones or anything, just like walk to think of things. And my husband's a writer and he, we're always, He'll be like, oh, I had a great plot while I was walking today. And he'll tell me, like, the plot that I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's fun that you're able to keep up with the exercising, too, as being a business owner because you want to have a balance, right? Absolutely. And I think that's hard for people sometimes. So thank you for being here today and so telling fun. us your I'm granola honored. story. Yeah, thank it's you. been great talking to you. Um, thanks for being on Makers of Minnesota. Thanks, Stephanie.